Chapter 12 of Maggie, A Girl of the Streets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Maggie, A Girl of the Streets by Stephen Crane. Chapter 12. In the hall of irregular shape sat Pete and Maggie, drinking beer, a submissive orchestra, dictated too by a spectacled man with frowsy hair and a dress suit, industriously followed the bobs of his head and the waves of his baton. A pallid singer, in a dress of flaming scarlet, sang in the inevitable voice of brass. When she vanished, men seated at the tables near the front applauded loudly, pounding the polished wood with their beer glasses. She returned, attired in less gown, and sang again. She received another enthusiastic encore. She reappeared in still less gown and danced. The deafening rumble of glasses and clapping of hands that followed her exit indicated an overwhelming desire to have her come on for the first time, but the curiosity of the audience was not gratified. Maggie was pale. From her eyes had been plucked all look of self-reliance. She leaned with a dependent air towards her companion. She was timid, as if fearing his anger or displeasure. She seemed to beseech tenderness of him. Pete's air of distinguished valor had grown upon him, until it threatened stupendous dimensions. He was indefinitely gracious to the girl. It was apparent to her that his condescension was a marvel. He could appear to strut, even while sitting still, and he showed that he was a lion of lordly characteristics by the air of which he spat. With Maggie gazing at him wonderingly, he took pride in commanding the waiters, who were, however, indifferent or deaf. Hi, you, get a rustle on yous. What the hell you looking at, to my beers, do you hear? He leaned back and critically regarded the person of a girl with a straw-coloured wig, who upon the stage was flinging her heels in somewhat awkward imitation of a well-known danseuse. At times Maggie told Pete long, confidential tales of her former home life, dwelling upon the escapades of the other members of the family, and the difficulties she had to combat in order to obtain a degree of comfort. He responded in tones of philanthropy. He pressed her arm with an air of reassuring proprietorship. They was them jays, he said, denouncing the mother and brother. The sound of the music, which by the efforts of the frowsy-headed leader, drifted to her ears through the smoke-filled atmosphere, made the girl dream. She thought of her former Rome Alley environment, and turned to regard Pete's strong, protecting fists. She thought of the collar and cuff manufactory, and the eternal moan of the proprietor, what in hell do you think I pay five dollars a week for? Play? No pie dumb. She contemplated Pete's man-subduing eyes and noted that wealth and prosperity were indicated by his clothes. She imagined the future, rose-tinted, because of its distance from all that she previously had experienced. As to the present, she perceived only vague reasons to be miserable. Her life was Pete's, and she considered him worthy of the charge. She would be disturbed by no particular apprehensions so long as Pete adored her, as he now said he did. She did not feel like a bad woman. To her knowledge, she had never seen any better. At times men at other tables regarded the girl furtively. Pete, aware of it, nodded at her and grinned. He felt proud. Mac, you're a bloomin' good looker, he remarked, studying her face through the haze. The men made Maggie fear, but she blushed at Pete's words as it became apparent to her that she was the apple of his eye.
Grey-headed men, wonderfully pathetic in their dissipation, stared at her through the clouds. Smooth-cheeked boys, some of them with faces of stone and mouths of sin, not nearly so pathetic as the grey hats, tried to find the girl's eyes in the smoke wreaths. Maggie considered she was not what they sought her. She confined her glances to Pete and the stage. The orchestra played negro melodies. A versatile drummer pounded, whacked, clattered and scratched on a dozen machines to make noise. Those glances of the men, shot at Maggie from under half-closed lids, made her tremble. She thought them all to be worse men than Pete. Come, let's go, she said. As they went out, Maggie perceived two women, seated at a table with some men. They were painted, and their cheeks had lost their roundness. As she passed them, the girl, with a shrinking movement, drew back her skirts. End of chapter 12. Recording by Vanessa Di Stappen, Berlin, Germany.